You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. What is happening? It's on the You're listening to the AME Radio Show. Welcome to the AME Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and we have a great show for you guys today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we talk about everything art, music, and entertainment. Now, this week has been a crazy week for me. I'm not going to lie about it. Actually, it's really hard for me to do this show today because my head's just not in it. You know what I mean? I've had such a crazy, horribly bad weekend that my head's just somewhere else, and I don't like that feeling. And I'll tell you why. Um, I'm going to try to take something that's really bad and turn it into something good, because I truly believe that you got to look for the teachable moment everywhere. So we're going to be talking about a couple of different things coming up, calling it regrets and missed opportunities. That may sound depressing, but I'm going to, th- I'm going to spin it for something positive, and I'll tell you about that in a second. However, we have two great guests coming up today. We have Carolyn Kennedy. She's an actress, a writer, and a producer, and she's going to be talking about her movies that she's working on currently right now that she is acting, writing, and producing. We also are going to be talking to Irene Grabelnik. Now, she is going to be talking to us about how to set up deadlines to get your book published. You know, that's probably one of the hardest things that we come up with is we want to write a book, but we don't know how to start, and sometimes we just push everything off. And she's going to tell us how to get started, what to focus on to get your book out on a timely fashion. So we're really excited to talk to her. But before we go into anything, please check out our website. It's www.theamemagazine.com. Check it out anytime you want. And it's completely free. And it has links to our social media networks. And it also has links to our our apps for Android and Apple platforms. So go check those out. You can sign up for our newsletter as well. We'd love to be able to have you sign up there. And please share us out there. we got so many different networks and social media networks that we want to get the word out. Remember, we are the show for being the voice of the artist everywhere. doesn't matter what type of art you're in. We, want, we strive on passion and we strive on inspiration. So keep that in mind. So if you are a, uh, an artist or anything like that, entertainer, and you want to get on our show to tell the world what you're doing and how you got there, because it's a, it's a battle, it's a road that some people don't understand. And to be in this, in this profession, it, it takes a special constitution. I know that. So if you tell your story, you can inspire others to do the same thing. Because if you can do it, they can do it. And if they can do it, you can do it. That's what, that's what I truly believe here at the AME Radio Show. Okay, so let's kind of talk about a couple of different things first before we get into um, today's, uh, today's topic. The Cirque du Soleil, you probably heard about what happened here. Um, they're known for their death-defying stunts and their beautiful acrobatics. But one of their, one of their, um, their actors fell and plunged to his death, and now they're under scrutiny. And for good reason. You know, a guy lost his life for this, and that's, uh, that's a pretty intense way to die, especially in front of so many people and kids and everything like that. It's got to be horrifying. So we'll see what's going to happen with them. I don't know if that's going to change the way that these shows are produced or performed, but we will see what impact this is going to have in the future and if there's going to be more regulations on Cirque du Soleil. Also... Sex and the City star Cynthia Nixon is the newest actress to throw her to throw her um, her hand into the political realm, and she is going to be running for governor of New York City. She's challenging the incumbent mayor, uh, the incumbent governor uh, Como, who's they're both on the Democratic platform. So we'll see how that's going to play out. Right now, if the election happened, he's got over uh, 60% of the approval rating from the Democratic Party. She has 19%. She is running on the platform of education and uh, civil liberties. So we'll see if that's going to play out in her benefit or not. And uh, I don't know. If, if, he gets, if he gets ousted by her, there's a good chance, because this sometimes does happen, that the, uh, the other party wins. So we'll see. Okay, so my thing here is regrets and missed opportunities. And this past weekend, actually it happened Saturday night, like really early Sunday morning, 
my dog got really sick, and uh, we knew that she was sick, and we, you know, we kind of, we kind of had that in the back of our head because she had a liver problem that she may not make it, but she was actually getting better and healthier all the time, and we were very optimistic that she was going to pull out of it. Except for Saturday, she got really, really sick really early in the morning, and uh, she ended up dying on our front patio, our front by our front door, and uh, we, we, she was still there. But we got her to the hospital. She died on, on route, basically. And I have a lot of regrets, a lot of regrets with her. And I also have a lot of regrets about my other dog that passed away on Monday morning, or Tuesday morning, sorry. I can't even get my day straight. That's how, that's how screwed up I am. Um, now, he, we kind of knew for a long time what was going to happen. You know, we knew he wasn't sick. He was very sick. They didn't expect him to live past two days. Uh, back in March of 2017, it is now March of 2018, he has made it a year and two weeks. I took a lot of heat from people because they kept saying, just euthanize him, euthanize him. And I'm like, he's happy. He's, he- he's healthy. Why would I do that? Why would I, why would I do that to him? I would know if it was time for me to do that or for either dog. And I don't believe in euthanasia. But I know that if it got to the point where I, the dog was suffering so bad, I would do so. Now, with Puppy, my little dog, uh, you've probably seen him in my pinup pictures, he had, a, he, had, he had a hard time walking. He had cancer. He had other things. But he never was in pain, and we made sure of that. And um, so we were, his, we were his legs and everything else, and we were preparing that he probably wouldn't make it much longer. We just didn't know when. But now with Allie, my, my dog that passed away on Sunday morning, this one really got me because... You know, I was working so hard that I completely w- walked away from a lot of my dogs. She would come in and want to sit on my lap, and I just couldn't do it. Uh, she, I didn't get to see her that much, and unfortunately, the biggest problem is is that the symptoms that she had the, that led up to these liver problems could have been prevented had I spent more time with her and recognized them because they were pretty obvious, and I just was oblivious. My head just wasn't in, in the right spot. So in order to get more money and do what I need to do, I lost out on something else. And this is why I keep saying that it's important to charge what you're worth because of the fact that you're going to be giving up something along the way. You can't have it all, but you've got to balance your life. So my biggest regret was I didn't balance my life out. I worked all the time. I made money, but I lost out on my family. And now I have a dog that I will never be able to see again. And I'll never be able to hug again because of the fact that I missed things that could have saved her life. Now, I, I couldn't have saved her on Saturday. She had died of cardiac arrest, but she died from cardiac arrest because of the stress that the liver had put on her. So that's what I'm trying to say. You've got to be able to balance your life. It's extremely important. You've got to take time for yourself. You've got to take time for your personal stuff. You've got to take time for your work. And you also got to take time for your family and friends. It's a it's a triangle balance. All of them must equal. So that's one. That's thirty three point three percent time you got to spend all the way around. If you have all the money, you're going to lose out here. You're going to miss out your family. You're going to miss out on your friends. Somebody's going to die. You're going to miss that out. Um, if you if you take too much time for leisure and your family, you're going to work. You're going to not you're not going to make money, and then you're not going to be able to do the things you want to do. And if you do all of that, but you don't take time for yourself, you're going to lose your own mind. Very important. So that's my biggest regret is I didn't do that, and it may have been able to save my dog's life. Everybody keeps telling me I'm too hard on myself and I'm judging myself, but I know I'm not wrong in this particular situation. Now, here's a, here's a, that was a big missed opportunity, but I was able to turn that into a positive opportunity because my other dog, I came home on uh, Monday afternoon for lunch, and I picked him up, and I knew he wasn't doing good. I didn't think he was going to make it too much longer, and I picked him up, and I looked in his eyes, and I could see he was giving up. He told me he was done. I could, I could read it through him. So I said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. If you're still around when I get home, we are going to have a puppy night all about you. We're going to go and go on one of the best rides you've ever been on. We're going to go to your favorite restaurant that you, that you loved when, when you were healthy. And we're going to spend time watching TV, rubbing you, loving you, and just enjoying our company together. It's all about you tonight. No work, no nothing, no technology. And we did that. When I got home, he was still alive. He was, he was content, but he was still alive. And we did that. We took him on a ride. We went down almost 18 miles. We went and got Boston Market. He loved Boston Market. Came back, watched TV, pet him until we couldn't pet him anymore. Loved on him, told him how much we loved him. 
he passed away that morning about a couple hours after we got after we went to bed and you know what that was me balancing my life for everything i saw everything now and i took an opportunity that i could have missed had i just put my priority somewhere else this is something i can never get back and i'm so glad that i was able to do it because i didn't miss out you can use these exact same principles to do just about anything you want in your lifetime, and you can apply it to anything. You can apply it to your business. You can apply it to your art. You can apply it to your life, your friendships, everything. Don't miss out on opportunities, and please make sure that when you are doing whatever you're doing, you're looking at the bigger picture, and you are seizing those, those opportunities. It's important to balance. All right, guys, that's all I got for you right now. We're going to be right back after this, and we're going to be talking to Ken- Carolyn Kennedy, so don't go anywhere. Hey, everybody, this is Jason, and I have something I want to talk to you guys about. Last year, as you know, somebody in my family suffered a stroke. These things come on unannounced, and it can cost you your life. Why? Because it's usually from high blood pressure or clots, and you don't know you have these problems because it generally has no symptoms. One way to ensure that you don't have high blood pressure is to test it regularly. But who has the time to do it? You have to sit down, strap a blood pressure cuff on, and take the test. And they are bulky and hard to travel with. Now there's a product called Helo LX. The stylish piece of technology not only looks good, but it tests your vitals all the time on demand. Check your blood pressure, see how many steps you've done, see your heart rate, see how much sleep you get, how many calories you burn. It checks it all while you do what you want to do. Then you can check the results right on an app on your phone. I bought it for my family members, and you should too. To get yours, go to amemagazine.worldgn.com and get it or any of their stylus accessories. In doing so, you'll invest in your health and help the AME experience get our word out and be the voice of artists everywhere. So what are you waiting for? That address again is amemagazine.worldgn.com. Hi there, this is Kim Coles, and I am a big fan of the AME Radio Show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have on the line with us our special guest. Her name is Carolyn Kennedy. She's an actress, writer, and producer. And she's got a new movie call, coming out called Super Speed Dates. She also has a comedy web series called Danger Pay. So we're really excited to talk to her about all these things that she has going on. And welcome to the show, Carolyn. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. Thank you very much for having me. Excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you. So, Super Speed Dates. Have you ever been on one? <laughs> I actually have been speed dating. Really? Um, there is a, a little bit of uh, reality in that portion of it in that I experienced it, and no, I was not successful at a speed dating event. You know, I don't know how you could, I don't know how speed dates can work, because you, you, what do you have, like 30 seconds to a minute to, to talk to somebody, and then you've got to go on to the next one? So basically, I would think that it would be based upon physical attraction, and hopefully they don't say anything stupid enough within the 30 seconds to kill that. <laughs> well, you've got a little bit more time than that. I think okay. typically it's about three minutes to six minutes. Okay. And typically what they do is they ring a little bell when everybody has to move seats and go to the next place. So over the course of the evening, you end up talking to everybody that's there. So there might be you know 25 people or 10 people, six people, depending on the size of the event. And then if there are you know maybe six people, you might have maybe closer to 10 or 15 minutes. And basically, you have the opportunity to ask, you know, a few key questions, and you have a little notepad beside you. So after the person leaves, you can mark down, you know, a yes, you'd like to exchange contact information if they are also interested, or you mark down no if there was clearly no match there. But I've seen, you know, people that I've met where I've had a decent conversation, and I've had some people where I've talked to where it's definitely been, you know, three or five minutes has been way too long. (laughs) (laughs) It depends on what it is, but, you know, I find then I would just kind of take charge of the conversation and ask more questions to kind of, you know, get the five minutes gone uh, before the bell would go again, so... 
See, I'd like the little box and like stay away from this person. This guy's a freak or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you find have a few. to wonder sometimes. <laughs> so, what is super speed dates then? Is this is this where you have like less time to do it? Well, no, it's actually a play um, about a group of women who go to a super speed dating event. So mm. the, the play and the irony of the title, Super Speed Dates, is that they're actually a group of superheroes that go to the speed dating oh. event. And the women don't realize they're superheroes. They're there as their alter egos. So I've featured, you know, Peter, who is Peter Parker, and Bruce Banner, Bruce Wayne, mm -hmm. uh, Tony Stark, who's Iron Man, and I have uh, Robin, who's playing... Uh, uh, Dick Grayson, so they're kind of a little bit of uh, a variety of different, you know, characters and superheroes, but kind of the comedy comes out of their honesty, of them just being brutally honest about their, you know, personal life or social life when they're asking very common questions that are asked at a speed dating event. And I guess what I wanted to do was have a look at the idea of, okay, if you went to a speed dating event and you actually met, like, superheroes, the best of the best men, would they actually be super guys if they were being totally honest about what their lives were like? So that was kind of where, where I took a play on things like that. Did any of them have, like, some type of screwed-up life that they were just, They like, all did. Oh, really? That's okay, that's did, cool. Right? So that's cool. We've got Peter Parker, who lived with his aunt, okay? <laughs> we've got uh, Bruce Banner, who, you know, goes incessantly through clothing all the time because he's always tearing it off in an angry rage of things. We have, you know, Bruce Wayne, who's, of course, obsessed with his man cave, which, you know, all men seem to have, and his toys and gadgets and things. Um, Dick Grayson, you know, who's playing Robin, and he's just basically, you know, kind of a bigger man crush on Batman than he could ever have feelings for another woman. Um, so I kind of went through all those, you know, little things to look at and say, really, are these guys, you know, the greatest guys to be dating? I don't know. And Tony Stark, of course, you know, he's the epic player, the guy who's kind of full of himself. So it's in a way, you know, showing little depictions of stereotypes of, of people, male and female, that are out there. That is so creative and yet so amazing. So, how did what what came up with this idea? I mean, obviously you had to love superheroes or growing up, or was it just the fascination of what is it behind the mask? Well, I think pop culture and superheroes are kind of infiltrated widely now, especially now with big screen movies. But of course, I grew up watching some of the animated series when I was younger, and you know, was aware of the comics. I wouldn't say I'm, you know, a, a super fan, a mega fan of things, but I know enough about, you know, watching the movies that, you know, the basics of each of them. Um, so the idea was born on a weekend acting workshop that I had. It was kind of proposed to us that among the actors, we were all to write a script of a short film and come up with an idea that we could utilize all the actors within the group. And, you know, if you wanted to have additional actors above whoever was in the group, that's fine. But a short film that would be selected to be shot. And I wrote this script. I went to bed that night with, like, this task on my mind. And for whatever reason, I woke up at 6 in the morning with this crazy idea about, you know, what happens if superheroes, you know, these guys who are supposed to be amazing men, went to a speed dating event and were just brutally honest about who they were. Would they really be, you know, super, guy, super boyfriend material? Would they be that? You know, if they were just being honest, maybe not. So I kind of played with that idea and, you know, explored many different superheroes and the typical dating questions, and I just kind of went with what had the most fodder for material. So is this movie a short, is it a, or is it a full-length movie? It's a short, it's 10 minutes and 15 seconds, and it actually just was released on February 13th on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, it's also on Funny or Die, and uh, that's where it's living currently. So it finished the festival circuit. It spent about a year and a half going through festivals, and it uh, racked up, I think, 13 laurels in total, including a win for Best Original Story at Los Angeles Film Awards. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, it was quite a special award, considering it was out of all genres and including feature films, like feature-length films with a much larger budget. So it was a nice, nice thing to see the film do well. You know, I see that you have a web series, too, and I love the idea of what these platforms like YouTube and Vimeo and, and Roku and stuff brings to the table because it allows people to have such a great, huge audience possibility, and yet it doesn't take a ton of money to get the stuff on there. So it allows people to be creative and get their stuff out there and still have the same type of ability to attract people as the theaters do. 
Yes, it does. It's absolutely like a great thing that's happened where it's come about now that, you know, the average person can now make something and put it up for people to see. They can show their creativity, their sense of humor, uh, you know, a proof of concept on something without spending millions of dollars or without needing, you know, studio funding before something takes place or happens. So I think it's a great place for people to learn. It's probably the ultimate in creative freedom because you certainly don't have networks or other you know people higher up from you giving you notes on what you're what you're doing you can be completely creative and express you know your own unique sense of humor which is a wonderful situation to be in it's true and you know i i love that i love that the the ability of it and there's some amazing things on there you know i've been fascinated with some stuff that's been on there recently about um the holy lands I've, i've been just fascinated by that and also believe it or not, stadiums and how they transform all these stadiums to be for like football and then baseball or the arenas from hockey and this and or how they build them from scratch. You know, all that stuff's up there. Now, there's a lot of good stuff on there, but there's a lot of garbage on there too as well. Mm-hmm. I think like all things, the cream rises to the top. So, you know, you <laughs> kind of have to keep an eye out for what you want to search through and not go too far down a rabbit hole when you are looking for things. But you know, good good work will stand out and set itself apart. I think, you know, if people click on something and it's not going to hold their interest, they'll probably be, be off the video just as fast as they were on and it'll eventually die out. It's very hard to get people to um, find something on YouTube in the first place, so it seems to be the more people watch something or the more they enjoy it or the more they share it, the more it lives and the more it kind of, you know, passes on organically and, and does better over time. So when did you decide to take advantage of this platform and, and do stuff with uh, web-based uh, series and, and, and uh, production? That's an interesting question. Um, I took an acting course back in 2011. I had spent over 20 years as a, in a career as a paralegal, so doing a completely different job. And a friend had encouraged me to look into an acting workshop. So in 2011, I took this weekend workshop. And uh, at the time, it, you know, I'm living in Calgary, Canada, and it's not a, a huge film center. We do have some major projects that do take place here, but it certainly isn't, you know, in a, any comparison to Vancouver or Toronto or even Los Angeles, of course. So the idea was said, you know, if you do want to go into acting at some point and you're serious about it, you know, you should create a web series. That's a great way to get people interested in what you're doing. And, you know, you're certainly not going to be discovered sitting on your couch at home in your pajamas. So make something that people can see and be creative and come up with a character. So in February 2012, I came up with an idea. I kind of went away for um, about 10 days in Hawaii and contemplated what could I do. I was, you know, didn't know anyone in the film industry, didn't know anyone who had any experience in this, but I had a laptop, I had a camera, and I had some editing software, iMovie, that came on the computer, and maybe I could figure out how to do something. So I, you know, had to Google, how do I make a website? How do I you know, make a YouTube channel, how do I upload videos, and once I figured out what to do in February 2012, I did my first web series, it was called The Bridget Linden Show, and I played this character called Bridget Linden, and I basically did 125 episodes by myself, and uploaded them over the course of maybe six months to a year, and to date, I believe they have over 950,000 views on YouTube. Wow. That's crazy. So that was my first foray, and then when I realized how much I enjoyed that and, you know, spent some time doing background on other sets and other projects, then in 2014, um, in the spring, that's roughly four years ago, that's when I decided to spend full-time, you know, working on acting and writing and learning producing, so that's kind of how Danger Pay was born about a year and a bit later, so... Mm. So, yeah, and it was, again, out of the idea that I wanted to do a, a comedy that I could um, write, produce, act in, and film in my own home and keep on a low budget. And I thought, well, I can, you know, write about a paralegal who works for a very bizarre lawyer in his house and set it up in a home office situation. So that was, that's kind of the premise of, of Danger Pay. Mm. So how do you release a series like that to where, you know, you have episodes? Do you have a set date that you that you set to release them on, like every Friday at 8 o'clock or something like that, to keep people coming back? Because that's one of the things that I think would make it just as as, as appealing to uh, people as if, like, you know, every every day or, like, um, on regular cable television, you know, not fr- Friday at 8 o'clock, the new show's coming out all the time. So do you use it the same way, like if you have a web series, to release it at a certain time, certain day, every single solitary week for the length of the season? 
Well, I think I've done it both ways. So I think with um, the Bridget Linden show, I kind of was experimenting at the time, and I just kind of put out videos as I had them. So it was kind of a very random thing that would take place. And obviously the benefit of that is kind of it's a nice surprise when subscribers would get noticed that there's a new video, and it would kind of be unexpected. So there's, you know, something to be said for that. When it came to Danger Pay, I did go on a schedule at that time. So Mm -hmm. I decided to release videos every Thursday for the six weeks that they were coming out. So I stayed on a schedule for that and announced, you know, and kind of promoted it and um, posted about which episode was coming, kind of a, you know, teaser posts about what might be coming. And then after the post, I'd kind of, you know, wind down from that and then gear up to the next episode. It's fascinating how it's, how it's able to be done today. I just, I, I'm just, I love that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's intriguing. It's, it's technology and it's amazing how far we've come. Totally, totally. And I mean, something like this simply would not have been possible, you know, 10, 15 years ago. It's just something that, you know, people need to take advantage of because they don't realize how fortunate they are that they do have basically a global audience. You know, Danger Pay was awarded Best Sketch Comedy in Seoul, Korea. It's screened in Rome, Italy at Rome Web Fest. And, you know, like, how else do you have something, you know, that comes out of a small city in Canada have impact around the globe and, you know, various screenings in the United States from Florida, Texas, uh, Nevada, and California. So how did you become an actress and want to be an actress and writer and producer for these shows? I mean, did you go to school for it? I mean, did you, did it just kind of happen? Uh, did you walk upon it? How did, how did it catch you? Because uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you uh, wanted to, you wanted to be this it didn't it didn't just come out and just pluck you out of the out of obscurity into uh into this field so how did you get interested in it well you know life is very funny isn't it so um i would say probably you know in high school i had a creative side to me i definitely liked you know i was in a school play in junior high and then high school i kind of moved on into a musical stream so i was in uh band and jazz band and i uh, played saxophone, so I was very much into music, and there wasn't really a heavy drama program. And then basically after school, I was going to go to university for music and ended up switching gears and going to, you know, a legal assistant, paralegal type program, and then doing a very functional job. You know, life kind of tells us, okay, we're grown up now, we're not going to make a living doing something creative. Let's focus on, you know, a job and something that pays the bills, and that's kind of how life took off from there. Then back in 2011, when I took that first acting workshop, you know, there were certain changes going on in life, and a friend of mine encouraged me to take an acting workshop, and that was that was enough to do it. Um, it kind of awakened awakened a bit of um, a creative side again that had been dormant for a number of years, and I really enjoyed it, and I you know was kind of hungry to do more, so I started taking more classes and more training. I became a member of the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers. Um, I'm now a member of the Canadian Academy of Cinema and Television, which is the equivalent to the Academy in the United States, which awards the Oscars, so it's a very prestigious organization here. Um, You know, I joined Women in Film and Television in my city and in uh, Vancouver. And, you know, in basically a period of the four years of full-time since 2014, I've worked myself up to get these two projects, major projects um, produced and completed and that obviously is a big job to do when you're learning as you're going mm-hmm. um, and the success of them 34 film festival laurels between the two and screenings around the globe has been enough to merit um, me being granted a visa to work in the United States in these three fields wow. so I actually am moving to Los Angeles in two days wow congratulations <laughs> and uh, it's been a big blur because I certainly wouldn't have anticipated that even four years ago. It's, it's been absolutely mind-blowing. Um, probably the biggest event that took place was uh, about a year ago in May. I was nominated for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy at LA Web Fest, which is the longest-running web series festival. I believe it's been going on for nine years. And uh, the show that I filmed in my own house and took the initiative to do, you know, helmed the project of and saw to the finish, um, ended up screening at Sony Studios. Wow. So it kind of goes to show that you don't really know where things could go. Uh, you know, I certainly didn't set out with a plan to, you know, see these things go to festivals. It kind of worked as, you know, a learning exercise and a project I could do on a budget to, you know, get skills and work at writing first things and learn how to produce first things. And I certainly didn't anticipate they'd have the success that they did. Um, but I'm obviously very grateful that they did during the filming, I think is when we first realized 
you know, the magic that was happening on set and the comedy that was coming through, you know, to the strength where the camera operator and director are bursting out laughing, you know, almost before they could yell cut. So um, we kind of knew we had something special and we felt we owed it to people to put it on the festival circuit and see what it would do. That's fantastic. You know, um, hmm. with uh, all this news, with all the success that you've had, and obviously now you're moving to Los Angeles, what are some of your goals for the next, like, say, two years? What do you want to accomplish within that time? Well, um, I'm going to be studying, furthering my acting training in Los Angeles. That's a kind of a goal of mine. So I've signed up for courses at Upright Citizens Brigade, UCB. Uh, that's Amy Poehler's uh, acting improv school. So I'm very excited about that. I'm going to be having an interview and um, looking at studying at the Beverly Hills Playhouse Theater, which is, again, a very big opportunity coming from Canada that's huge to me. So furthering my training, I've got a couple of projects that I'm working on as well, and I am planning on writing and producing and starring in another web series. I can't say too much about it at the time, but I am hoping to shoot that in Los Angeles within the coming year. Well, Carolyn, this has been great, and we're almost out of time, so please tell everybody how they can find your, uh, your, your stuff on, online, how they can follow you, or if you have any websites or anything else you want to do, please let everybody know how, to, how they can find it. Sure. I'm on Twitter at Carolyn B. Kennedy, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-B Kennedy, and I'm on uh, Instagram, same thing. Uh, Facebook, it's Carolyn Bridget Kennedy is my Facebook page. And then I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's youtube.com slash Carolyn B. Kennedy. That's where uh, Super Speed Dates, the film, and the teaser trailer live. And Danger Pay is on YouTube at www.youtube.com slash Danger Pay Series. I have a website, uh, www.carolynbridgetkennedy.com. And also I'm on IMDb or basically anywhere else. If you Google my name, you can find me. And uh, I do follow people back. I like stay engaged with people who reach out to me on social media. Well, Carolyn, congratulations on all the success. This is so exciting. I'm excited for you. And, uh, Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you're able to, to put your voice to, to film and, and entertain people and do stuff that you love to do. And, you know, that's, that's a blessing. And I, I love to be able to, to do that myself so I know what it's like. And um, I wish you all the best in the, in the upcoming years here. And I can't wait to see what else you have to, to come out in, into the world for us to, to enjoy. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. All right, guys, we're going to go take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have more, so don't go anywhere. Do you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. <laughs> Hi, this is Jamie Lunar. You remember me from Melrose Place? I listen to AME Radio Show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have on the line with us our guest. Her name is Irene Gabelnick. And she is going to be talking to us about how to be a writer, how to plan to be a writer, how to plan your story, and so many other things that I think if you have the ambition to write a story about, this is going to be great information. So welcome, Irene. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great, Jason. How are you? Doing fantastic. You know, I know a lot of people that want to write books, and they don't really know where to start. And, you know, I tried it myself, and believe it or not, it's, it is, it's not a terrible process, but it can completely slip your mind in so many different ways. Like for me, I kept saying, you know what, I'm going to write this book, but I never found the time to sit down and actually write. So, um, you know, this is going to be extremely important, I think, to everybody. So kind of tell us a little bit of background about yourself and how you got into being a writer yourself. 
Absolutely. And Jason, you know, you sound just like me last year. <laughs> just like me. I have wanted to, I've had so many book ideas, and I have wanted to be a published author for as long as I can remember. And last year, I decided that that's it. This year is going to be the year. And I set a deadline, and because I set the end of 2017, and you know, I actually got my book up, running, and made my first book sale on December 31st, 2017. Wow. Just under the wire. <laughs> now, I didn't plan it that way. It just took me a little bit longer. I had actually set kind of, you know, a couple earlier deadlines. But it took me longer than I expected, and but I got it up and running, and I made my first sale before the end of the year, so I was pretty excited. So that's one of the things that you really have to do, is you have to decide, set, set a deadline. And even if you end up pushing it out a little bit, it might get pushed out a couple weeks, maybe a month, but if you set that deadline, you will definitely work harder to get it done. Yeah, that's true, because I mean, when you have a deadline, you have something you can actually look towards and it makes it a lot easier to uh, to see a finish line. But what if you still have that, and you're sitting back and you're looking at it, and it's like, oh, God, today was a terrible day. I don't feel like writing today. Or, you know, there's always an excuse. So how do you get over that excuse to sit down and write? Honestly, Jason, you just have to do it. You have to do it. And if you get an idea of what I recommend, and actually I just put together this morning, just put together a 10-step guide on how to get started writing your first book. And I just followed what I did, my methods, and one of the things, you know, I, I say is try to write one to two pages a day. And then it seems a lot less daunting. Mm -hmm. If you just say, okay, I'm just going to sit down and write one page, one paragraph. And another thing I recommend, and I'm not, I'm not going to give away all the tips because if you go to my website, you can actually download a free copy of the 10 steps on how to get started writing your book today. Um, but one of the things I did was I kind of laid out all of the different chapters. Once you have an idea, take an idea, and if you have a hundred of them like you and I do, Jason, yeah. just pick one. You have to start one because I'm writing five books. You have to pick one, you have to focus on it, set a deadline, and try to push the other ones aside temporarily and focus on that one book. And that's what I did is I said, okay, this one I'm going to do first. I've made my decision. This one I'm going to work on. Sit down, write an outline, come up with a title in your head, kind of create the, the cover in your head. And then if you just build a little skeleton and just jot down some chapter ideas, and you start to form it, then it becomes less daunting. If you say, okay, I'm going to work on this chapter first, and they don't even have to be in order. You can rearrange them later. But if you just break it down into steps, it doesn't seem like such an overwhelming project. That's true. Now, here's the other thing that I was, I was kind of you know, contemplating in my head. I, you have an idea, and you're sitting down and writing it, and you have a deadline that you set, but all of a sudden, this thing starts to turn into one of those... Uh, you know, Hobbit books where they're like five, six hundred pages, and you realize that you could keep going. Is that a, it, when is it a, a good time to maybe sit down while you're writing, realizing it could be, you know, get out, get out of hand to where this might be better as a series and try to, you know, rework that so that way you could finish the book easier, get something out there, and then start working on the second, the second or third book. That's a really good question, Jason. And I have not published my first fiction yet. Um, my first book was a was a self help. Uh, fitness book, health and fitness book, um, but I am also writing a fiction book, and I've read a lot about this extensively, and what they say is if you have that, it, go through it, start editing it, and and revise it, and then and then break it down. Look at it and say, okay, this point, and again, you can even like lay out, like if you're doing a trilogy, kind of lay out, write, write out a trilogy and say, okay, I'm going to break it into this part, this part, and that part, and then just Cut those chapters out, copy and paste them into a new document, and just focus on now revising what you have and get that first book done and take out everything you're not going to put in there. And again, just kind of lay it out again, plan it out, plan out the chapters and cut it back. And now you've already have the second book half written, mm, but just focus on getting that first one done first. 
because that accomplishment is just going to feel so good to say, okay, I did it, I'm published, or whether you're going with a publisher, whatever you decide, um, there's a lot of pros and cons to self-publishing versus working with a publisher, um, which is another thing that I can, I can help your audience with. Um, but that's a, that's a great question. And, and have you written that many pages, Jason? Because I think you're ready to, to get that baby out there. Well, I, I wrote one. It was actually my own biography based upon my, my experiences with paranormal stuff. So it was true life stories about me because people didn't quite understand me. So I wasn't one of those people that were like, okay, you know, I'm going to go out and talk to the world type thing, not like I am now. So I was still kind of shy. I, I didn't know how people were going to take it, so I wrote a book about it, and it, it actually helped people. So I realized, okay, well, this isn't so bad. So I have written books before, and I, use, I have won a couple of writing contests when I was in school for my county, and uh, I got to represent the state a couple of times. But the thing that I, I like the most, I do have this one book in my head, and I know that it can turn into a huge, huge, you know, endeavor and I don't want it to go that big but I don't want it to be a series either I want it to be kind of here it is here it is here it is here it is and then finish it off um, because I want to eventually turn that into a movie as well so I have That's the idea you, I have the idea That's great so um, it, it's kind of it's kind of fantasy yet it's realism at the same time so I'm going to try to mix the two worlds together which is kind of fun and uh, you know just a uh, I want to I want to bring I want to bring morals and, and ideas and values into the in the thing too. So that's where it's getting out of hand, you know, because it's like, well, oh, I want I want them to see this, I want them to see this, and you don't necessarily need to do all that. But I could take, but I'm trying to think in my head. Okay, if I write this for a book, and I can say some stuff here, but I can emphasize the stuff that you don't see in the movie. So you know, there there's ways to I think there's ways to work around that. Right. Well, just just it sounds like you're just uh, you're making it daunting, more daunting yes. than it needs to be. And I think what you need to do is not don't even think about the movie right now. Worry about that later. They're going to change it anyway. When you sit down, you you know the movie is always different from the book. Don't even worry about the movie right now. Get the book done first. Mm -hmm. Just focus on and and you're also you're also attra attracting two different audiences with different scenes when you're looking at us screenplay versus a book focus on just getting that book published and only think about it from a reader's point of view and get it done and then you can just make the screenplay revision afterward mm -hmm. let's make that baby a number one bestseller first <laughs> right? right 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 let's just get it out there set a deadline stop thinking about the movie part of it because of course i have three that i want turned in movie, into movies right? right i have my 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 uh historical fiction about my mother and how my dad met and how they grew up 10 miles from each other in Ukraine and, you know, the whole World War II scenario. And then I have my thriller, you know, so, so I hear you. I hear you. I definitely, I have so many different ideas that I would love to see turned into movies too, but it be, that's when it becomes daunting and then you don't work on any of the projects. That's right. And that's exactly what I've done. I haven't worked on any of it yet. And uh, I mean, but the, the other time is, is that, you know, that was just something fun. I'm not looking to make anything out of it. So if it happens, it happens, and it will happen in its own time. But on the other hand, you know, I do want it out there because it is, it, it is in my head, and it does kind of, well, I guess you could say it's haunting you, you know, or haunts me because yeah. it's like I know it's there, and I know, I know what other people are going through because I'm going through it myself. So, you know, that's, that's a scenario that we all have to face, I guess, as, art, as an artist, as an author, whatever it may be. Exactly. And I just have to say, Jason, you have to pick one project, mm -hmm. set a deadline, start doing it, and just commit yourself to trying to write, you know, at least one to two pages a day. And if you um, if you skip a day, whatever, don't beat yourself up over it. Sure. Just be like, all right, I didn't, I didn't write yesterday, so what? So, but today I'm going to write. Just do better the next day. And again, just try to lay out a plan. I really think that for me... When I sat down and I kind of, I wrote the chapters down, and again, I changed them a million times, but it's irrelevant. It just helps you start to structure it, and it gets you moving in the right direction. Sure. And I, I just 
just do it, Jason. I want to read this book. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm excited for it. Get it out there. And I want to read your paranormal book. You said that one is published. It's out. Yeah, I did. I did self-publishing with that one. I did. I didn't want to. I didn't really want to put it on a mass market. I just wanted it to people that you know would would be looking for something like that. And um, so yeah. I, I kind of did my own my own self-publishing with that. But you know, when I did that, I didn't have any. I didn't have any deadlines set, and I was kind of like. It was harder to write about myself than it was anything else. And I think I don't know anybody that wouldn't have a problem with that unless they have a huge ego where they talk about themselves anyway. So, you know, for me, I don't have one of those, so it was harder for me to do it. But what is a general time frame that you sh- that is, you know, workable for anybody that's sitting down to, to write a book? I mean, what, what type of time frame could we ki- should we kind of expect and try to shoot for? Well, it really depends on what type of book you're writing. And I, I think that from, from what other authors have said, because I've only self-published published one, and I started the story about a year before I wrote it, mm-hmm. but when I sat down to do it, and I had been writing uh, several of the chapters for my blog, so I already kind of had a few of the parts written, but I did it in two weeks. Mm. I got it written and published in two weeks, um, but that was but that was my my goal. And it's and it's a very different book. It's not a novel. It's a short book. It's a quick, easy read. And it was very easy for me to write because it was my it's my personal story of how I lose five pounds fast before a an event. It's called Zipping It Up: How to Lose Five Pounds Fast and Look Great in That Little Black Dress. Mm. So it was easy for me because it was already, it's something I've done, it's something I do, and all of the health and fitness tips are part of my life. So it was very, very easy for me to write. If you have to do a lot of extensive research, I think that a very realistic time frame would be a year. Or if if you're writing a a 500-page or very long novel. So it really depends on how much time you have. If you're working a full-time job or, you know, what have you, how much time. Um, you have to do it. You really have to. You really have to set a realistic goal for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's true. But I, I, I have heard that it, that a year is a good, a good realistic time frame. Now, of course, if you're going to go through a publisher, you can't expect that book to be published ahead of time, and then the publisher them to market it, print it, get it out there. So you're looking at at least another year to eighteen months before it's actually for sale. Mm. That was what I was going to talk about next is, is publishing versus self-publishing. You know, obviously, it's just, like, it's just like a musician. You know, I know music very well, too. It's like, you know, you can go the independent route. You have the, the problem of, of st- stomaching all the costs of that particular album, marketing it, blah, 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 whereas the label doesn't. You know, you don't really have to worry about that, but they have more control over it. So I'm sure that's pretty much the same thing here with, the, with this particular um, industry the only difference is, is that I think it might be easier to get a publisher to publish your work than it is a musician to get signed by a label I, I don't know well there are there are so many publishers out there and there are so many agents to work with and one of one of the tricks that I've that I've learned that I haven't used personally as of yet is if you want to go with a publisher look at other books that you that are similar to the ones that you're writing and see who their publisher is, and then find out who their agents are. Hmm. And those are the people that you should try to contact, because a lot of agents, most of them, I believe, work very specifically with different um, genres or or niches. So you want to find an agent who's going to, you know, work with you on the type of book that you're publishing. So you might even work with multiple agents if you have different types of books. If If you're focusing on a a self-help type of book, you're going to work with someone very different than a non-fiction suspense thriller mm-hmm. agent. But you do have to find an agent to work with you in order to even get into a publisher. So that's really the first step in, in going that direction. Did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely did. And the other question I have about this is like, okay, I know somebody wants to go and uh, write a book. Okay, let's just say this guy wants to go write a book, but he has absolutely no skills in writing um, has no idea what he's doing, but he has a great idea. What about getting somebody that is a part of that is a writer to be like a ghostwriter or a co-writer with this book? So you like you dictate, he writes, he puts in his his 
idea, you put in your idea, and you make this book. Um, is that a good idea? And then on top of it, that other guy's probably going to want to make sure that it gets you know published pretty well. So do you have to kind of have an idea of how you're going to have it distributed in mind before you bring on somebody like that? Um, I, I Absolutely. I, I think that you really should have a very good idea of exactly what you want because if you're going to use a ghostwriter, you need to – you want them to, to try to use your voice. And that's certainly the downfall of hiring a ghostwriter versus writing it yourself, is capturing your voice. But absolutely, I, I have personally not used a ghostwriter as of yet for anything, but I've definitely been thinking about it because of all of my projects are getting a, you know, a little overwhelming. So it's definitely a great idea to use one. But I, I still think you need to have a very good idea of what you're going to do so that you can... Uh, have the ghostwriter do a good job for you because mm-hmm. you're going to have to relay that information to them. Now, we've got about five minutes left, so I want to talk about marketing a book. Obviously, that's going to be something very important. Now, labels usually market themselves, and you don't really have to always worry about that, but I always like to have a little bit of my own hands on, even if the label's doing something, if you, are, if you do have a publisher or what have you, um, to have a little bit of hands on experience into this and, 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 you know, help push it myself. What are some of the best ways to market a book? Well, I have learned so much about this, and it's, it's wonderful when you do finally do your first one because you learn from your mistakes. And there are so many, so many great tools, and a lot of things that have worked for me is because I self-published through Amazon and CreateSpace, they offer a free, um, you, can, you can offer it for free. So you can do a full weekend blast. You need to get it out to everyone you know. And I texted my friends the link. I told everyone about it. I promoted it all over social media for several times, all day, ever, all weekend. And my rankings jumped from, I think, the 400,000 um, ranking in Amazon Kindle books to 11,000 in two days, wow. like that, that quickly. So you really have to heavily promote it. And when you stop, it, they drop off without question. Um, another thing that I've been doing is I've been getting on shows like yours, Jason, mm-hmm. and I've been getting on radio shows. You have to get on TV shows. You really have to get out there to get your book out there. So you use social media, uh, take advantage of the, the free opportunities because you have to get reviews. So my, I didn't do it as well the first weekend. The second weekend, I did it. I, I got reviews. My rankings didn't jump, but bam! Within two days, I got I got six five star reviews for my book. So again, that's going to really help promote your book if you can get those reviews. Ask your friends, ask your family, um, anyone who's willing. Give them a free copy. Just give out free copies and try to get those reviews for your book. Mm. Um, go ahead. I was going to say that's some very good information. So it's hard. It's, it's, it's not easy. I mean, you have to, if you want to promote that book and get it out. I have not done paid advertising as of yet, but that is my next step is I'm going to start doing some paid advertising. There are multiple, multiple book clubs out there who will market your book for free. And you can offer like a free sneak preview of a chapter and then people read it, they get engrossed, and then they'll buy your book. Mm-hmm. So there are many, many different ways to <clears throat> to promote your book once it's out there. But also, if you do go the self-publishing route through Amazon, and I learned this after, but I was so focused on my deadline, you can actually start selling your book 90 mm-hmm. days before you even publish it. You can start promoting it. And also, if you have an idea, if you have the title and you have that book cover done, start promoting your book before you even get it finished. Hmm. The sooner you start pushing and promoting your book, the more likely, the more sales you're you're going to have. So these are very key things that I learned after the fact that I can now share with your audience and with everyone that I know because I just want to help people, you know, become writers live the writer's life, fulfill their dream, publish that first book. And um, I hope all that helps. I think it will. Now, one quick question before we got to uh, go to a break. What is a timeline for marketing? I mean, how long can you pu- push the book before it becomes obsolete and you got to start working towards another book? Oh, 
Jason, I'm sorry. I can't honestly answer that for you because I'm still pushing this book as far as I can go. <laughs> right. And I just, uh, I just landed a, um, a permanent um, monthly, monthly gig on a, on a radio show where I'm going to be featured once, once a month and to f- feature my book and my recipes and health and fitness. So I'm hoping that really helps me increase sales. So anything you can do to get out there, absolutely. You know, once you publish that first book, it opens so many doors for you and people want to talk to you and they're excited and they want to hear about your book and they'll get you on their show. And, um, and it's just a, it's a great it's a great thing to do. So just do it. Just yes, it is. It. Get out there. So we got about a minute left. Tell everybody how they can find you, your books, and see what you got going on. Awesome. So you can go to irenegablenick.com. It's I-R-E-N-E-G-A-B-E-L-N-I-C-K, irenegablenick.com. If you enter your email address, you will get a free copy of 10 Steps to how to start writing your book today, where I share even more tips than I shared today with Jason. And also, if you want to get a copy of my first book, it's called Zipping It Up, How to Lose Five Pounds Fast and Look Great in That Little Black Dress. It's available on Amazon, and you can get that either in Kindle version or in paperback. Well, Irene, this has been very, very interesting. I'm learning a lot. I hope everybody out there is going to learn a lot, too. And congratulations on that book. I'm glad you were able to put, put it out there and you're starting to make sales. That's awesome. And we wish you all the best. And hopefully you'll be able to come back on with more books that you have coming out. Thank you so much, Jason. It's been fun. All right, guys. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have more. So don't go anywhere. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop in Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career, having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. All right, we are back, and we are about ready to close out the show. we got about a minute and a half left. I can't believe this time has just flown right by. Hopefully you enjoyed the, today's show, and I know that you enjoyed our guests because I know they enjoyed talking to you. And I hope th- and hopefully they gave you some really good information because I'll tell you what, they are extremely knowledgeable, and I'm just blessed to have them on my show. Okay, so... Um, one of the things I want to say before I go is my newest mask project. I'm really excited to be focusing on this. It's going to get my attention towards something positive again. What I'm going to be doing is a mask version, steampunk version of Alice in Wonderland. I've never done anything like this before, and I think it's going to fit with the Disney theme very well, seeing that I get the mask from Epcot. So hopefully this is going to turn out great. i got a couple of people that are going to be working on this. I'm going to be drawing some of the characters. It's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully it's going to be just as cool, if not cooler, than all the other ones I've already done. Okay, so um, we are going to be back again tomorrow. And we're also wanting you to come check us out again next week and the week after that and the week after that week after that. And if you don't know how to do that or when we are on, let me tell you, it's pretty easy. All you have to do is go to amfm247.com and check out their 11 AM FM stations across the United States or listen online every Friday at 7 o'clock AM Eastern Standard Time, our drive time hour, which is what you're listening to right now. And you can find us on the same channel again Saturday night at 5 PM Eastern Standard Time. Now we have two different guests per show. There's two different shows per week. So you're going to hear four different guests on the AMFM 247 platform. Then you can also find us on WKLAP.com, and that's an internet radio station. You can find us there every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
You can also find us on Radio Love, that's RadioLUV.com, every Saturday at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, we love being on there, and I'm honored to be on both of these networks. And you can find us on iTunes and iHeart On Demand. And if you don't know how to find us, you can search in AME Radio Show on any one of the platform's uh, search features, or you can get the links directly from our website on Find Us. It's very simple. We try to make it easy for you guys as much as possible. And if you sign up to any of those, you get to show in a couple of days in advance, so it's like a VIP screening. So all you have to do to be a VIP is sign up for our iTunes or our Spreaker. All right, guys, we will see you again tomorrow, same time, same channel. Enjoy, have a great night, and keep those creative juices flowing. That's the end? We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.